0: Discussing the news and making sense of a nation on the go. You're listening to the Long Form with Sunny Naomi. This podcast is brought to you by the New Times. Hello there. Rwanda, like many other developing nations, has borne the brunt of climate change. We've seen searing hot temperatures during the dry seasons, and now when it rains, it's not the gentle drizzle of the past. Rather, We suffer rainstorms that destroy farmers' fields and killer landslides. And what is most unfair about this climate change is the fact that we aren't the cause of it, but rather the victims. It is the industrialized countries that have put us all at risk with their love of fossil fuels. They're the ones who have cut down all their trees and replaced them with cities. In fact, it is us, the developing nations, with our forests and swamps that have kept the temperatures from rising even further globally because we have it is only right and fair that we get something back for our efforts to push back the tides and that is where carbon training comes in which is what paul foster specializes in paul foster is executive director and founder of co2 capital paul foster is executive director and founder of co2 capital a company that provides technology based carbon offset solutions now if you want to react to this conversation Use the hashtag longformrw on Twitter and share your thoughts. But before we continue, do you know what you need to do today? You need to join the over 40,000 daily subscribers of the New Times e-paper to enjoy credible, in-depth reporting on Rwanda. Visit the website newtimes.co.rw to register for free. And now, back to the show. Greetings, Paul. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing uh, quite well, thank you. Um, thanks so much for uh, coming to the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm going to S- enjoy this. I'm pretty sure that you will. I'm hopeful that this conversation will uh, help people understand better Everything carbon trading before we go into the weeds of, you know, the mechanisms and all the financial instruments and all that. Can you help us understand better what exactly carbon trading is? How does it work? And, you know, uh, again, don't go into the weeds, but just kind of give us a, a bird's eye view of it all.
1: Okay. Well, uh, it all starts off with uh, human consumption really. And as humans, we create carbon. Um, and co2 emissions yeah. so what we've done uh, across the world is we've looked at those who use less and have maybe spare capacity and those who need more carbon credits carbon co2 is naturally produced and mm. it's also naturally solved so trees for instance need mm. co2 to grow and um, so when a tree takes that carbon in you can actually do good because that tree is taking it in. So if you plant more trees, you've got more carbon. Mm -hmm. So as a farmer, you might have many trees, Mm -hmm. um, but you don't produce much CO2 yourself because you do sustainable farming. Mm -hmm. So in that case, you would have a more CO2 Mm -hmm. than you actually need. So you would be allowed to sell it and trade it. And why is uh, carbon trading, why is it a big deal? We all want to get to carbon neutral eventually. So carbon neutral is where we actually don't produce more carbon emissions than we actually use.
0: For people who don't fully understand everything, right? Yeah. So whenever there is uh, an industrial process, yes, right, Uh when we are using our cars, we are burning fossil fuels, we are burning, or when we're cooking, we're, burning- uh, we're- Burning organic material or uh, fossil fuels to create carbon, carbon dioxide. Now that carbon dioxide obviously goes into the atmosphere, creates global warming. Is that, is that correct? That's absolutely right. Right. So what we're trying
1: to do is get to a situation where net, net across the world, we're Mm -hmm. not actually producing more carbon emissions than we are actually absorbing that Mm. carbon that's being used Mm. so that would be net zero so to do that you've just got to be more efficient and how you you operate in life whether it's manufacturing or whether it's driving to work or Mm. car sharing um, electric vehicles Um,
0: all these are manners that people are using to try and get to Mm. net zero so with carbon trading is it only about countries that have trees and maybe grassland, or is it something a bit more complex than just like saying that, okay, I have a bunch of forests in country X. There is someone else in country Y that wants to maybe what burn carbon? Yes. Or create carbon rather. Yeah. Help us understand the mechanics of it all.
1: Yeah. So, um, carbon trading isn't just the naturally produced carbon or the naturally absorbed carbon. So, you know, we do have trees, we have shrubs, we have anything that grows will um, absorb carbon, but so will things in the sea. So you you can use seaweed. uh, That's called um, blue carbon. Um, So um, everything around us is absorbing carbon in order to grow and if it's a natural product. But as a world, we're now looking at other things to do, and that is to man-made Uh, carbon emissions and absorption. So people are now building factories that actually take the carbon out of the atmosphere. Mm. Um, and then we'll be able to power that and finance that by trading the carbon that they're saving. I guess
0: it sounds almost unreal, very complex. And I just have to ask a question, right? So. It's about trees. It's about you know, I guess what they'd call carbon sinks, bogs and and swamps, natural features that suck in carbon dioxide and maybe pump out oxygen. For example, that's what trees do. So when you look at say Rwanda, for example, it's a very small country. We don't have very plentiful forests. We know we we're certainly not a Gabon or or, or Brazil. So what hope do we have with our very small? I guess, Nyungwe and Dishwati Forest, that we can make that kind of money through carbon trading that some of these other countries can make, and we can make the kind of money that will allow us to better prepare for a future where climate change is coming for all of us. So Rwanda is a very good example
1: of what you can do when you first go into a country that hasn't been doing carbon credits. So in Rwanda, yes, you do have some trees, um all of those trees can be used to uh offset carbon because they absorb it these days we aren't just looking at trees we're looking at shrubs we're looking at bogs we're looking at everything in the environment so it's grasslands grasslands as well mm. yes um and a lot of the plants that people plant like farmers some of those can be used actually especially Mm. if they last more than a year and a half Mm. Um, so we don't just think of this as trees secondly Rwanda has several reforestation plans at the moment going on several of the ministries are working towards it so going forward, we would expect to be more forestry. And as part of that, we're hopeful that the forest will be managed. Mm. And a managed forest is more efficient, and a managed forest will actually absorb more CO2 mm. because um, there isn't as much dead wood around. There's new trees being planted. The trees that are there are being looked after, so they're growing faster, um, and they're absorbing more CO2. Help me understand this.
0: Let's say there's a trader in the U.K., or Germany, that wants to buy a run in carbon credit. Walk me through that process. First of all, we've got to create the carbon credit. Okay. So, how How is that
1: done? So we need to go to the landowner, mm-hmm. um, uh, any landowner. Uh, it could be government. It could be private. It could be a cooperative. Um, and what we do, we talk to that landowner, and they would tell me that they want to actually raise some money by by issuing carbon credits, but they don't know how to do it. So what they would do is bring someone like ourselves in and we would come and have a look at what agriculture they've got on their farm, what trees they've got. And then we would say, yes, we believe that your farm or your land is good enough to do carbon capture with. At that stage, we get quite high tech. So we bring in drones. We would come and scan all of those trees. And then we would put them through an advanced modeling, which would then produce the amount of CO2 that could be absorbed by the carbon dioxide. dioxide. Carbon dioxide, yes. So we would have this all very technologically and all provable to say that farm will save 22 tons of CO2, carbon dioxide, and absorb it a year. So we can go and create
0: 22 tons of carbon dioxide trading, and then we can sell it for the farmer. Uh, today i know you know the numbers might go up and down but on the whole what exactly would you sell for example a ton of uh, carbon dioxide on the such a trading platform the
1: average over the last since 2020 has been about 20 dollars and and how much
0: land or how many trees would you need to uh, get a ton?
1: About 130. It does depend on the type of tree, the mm. size of tree. Mm. Um, and this is why we have uh, the drones and the uh, mm. technology to analyze mm. what each tree mm. does. So mm. some trees uh, absorb a lot of CO2, other trees don't. Mm. Um, mm. You would think that when a tree is younger, it absorbs more CO2, but actually it's when it's older. It's got yeah. more leaves and it's bigger. Yeah. Um, and it's not the speed of growth. So each farm, every piece of land is different, and that's mm. why we have to to scan it to know mm.
0: exactly what's there so that kind of means that it's not just going to be a government thing a the forestry agency thing it's anyone can actually get involved in this yes and that's what we want to do because it part of our process is to help
1: the people whose land it is and help people you know develop their land and develop their farms and actually invest back mm. into the agriculture and into the rural areas so we will be looking at working with cooperatives individual farmers government of course Mm. uh, and
0: the other agencies who are managing the land on behalf of other people i'm just going to be slightly controversial here um although carbon trading is a global scheme right we know that it's everywhere in the world so there are a lot of questions about it on the fairness of it. it does seem that rich nations nations that have historically been the ones who've caused the problem that we are in they're the ones who will then buy carbon credits Right. So these big companies, these uh, the shells of the world at uh, the Fords, because they don't want to cut back on their industrial production. Right. They don't want to cut back on their own uh, profits. So it seems to me that it might create a situation where powerful companies, powerful countries will come to us, lesser uh, developed nations and buy credits and say, oh, you guys don't be like us. Right. Uh, plant trees, you know, lots of grasses, make your countries nice and, and green and let us, and sell us credits. Right. Instead of them actually putting in the work and actually starting at home and starting with their own local markets. Right. So it kind of seems like it's us, the developing, developing nations that are being forced to do all the hard work and they'll just pay us a pittance because like you said, it's what $80 a ton yeah on the monetary market right yeah. right that's it's it's a lot, but it's not you know um especially for the damage that's that that we're seeing uh happen. those are my thoughts, but I'll be interested as as a person who's actually in in the business. what are your thoughts on you know the fairness the what we could call um almost a systematic unfairness of the entire carbon trading platform before we continue this very interesting conversation? Are you looking for a job, or is there a tender you want to bid for? On the New Times Job Mart, you will find hundreds of jobs and tender listings. Visit the Job Mart today by going to its website, jobs.newtimes.co.rw. If you want to post a job opportunity, call 07-85-28-9489 and ask about the great rates. And now back to the show. And there's even been a name coined
1: for it, which is greenwashing. So developed nations greenwash themselves using developing nations is often exactly what you were talking about, um, the risk that we we get. It is a risk, and it is fair to say that it has gone on. Um, I think that historically, when this was set up, it was set up with the best intentions, Mm but was kind of hijacked by the multinationals and by the wealthier. As it will happen. As will happen, um, Mm -hmm. as a means of not having to sort their own problems out. So there's two things that have taken place and are continuously taking place. The first is regulation. So developing nations are creating regulation, which is like net zero. So they're having to try and reduce their emissions and only the emissions that they can't, get rid of are they allowed to carbon trade. Mm. So it's happening in the UK. If you're one of the big companies that's listed uh, the U S as well, and many Germany, etc. So regulation is starting to help what has gone on in the past, which hasn't been great. The second thing is that as more and more companies start buying and trading carbon credits, the price will naturally go up because there is, there is not enough carbon credits to go around. Mm. So if you want to get to net zero, then you've either got to buy the credits or you've got to reduce your consumption. Mm. And why are you going to reduce your consumption? Well, if the cost of the carbon credits are so expensive, it makes you invest in your business to reduce the amount of carbon you're creating. Mm. So naturally, the price of credits will go up and companies will suddenly realize it's cheaper to solve the problem than it is
0: to buy the carbon credits. That is in a perfect world, I guess, right? Of so, And you've been in the field, you've worked... Um, you know regulation and all that do you actually feel with you know your understanding of the industry and the players that there's good faith on the part of the people who would be buying the credits from countries like ours i think it's a lot better
1: than it was mm. i'll be honest it's, it's a very imperfect situation it uh, the common trading market isn't isn't perfect okay and it never will be um but we have to go through this phase to get to probably what is the better option which somebody will invent in the next few years. Hopefully. Um, hopefully. Um, it's just natural progression. Um, so I'm not saying that what's gone on is right, and I'm not saying that it will carry on going forever. There is a middle ground that we need to reach. Some companies and some countries will be better than others, and even within a country, some companies will be better than others. Mm. You will always have bad actors. That is mm. just the nature of yeah. the world. Um, and we can't legislate for bad actors. You, yeah. know, you have to legislate for the majority of responsible companies who really do want to do this. Um, and then the bad actors need
0: to be taken out and uh, sorted out elsewhere. So let's talk about your company in particular. How did you and your company end up in this, in this, in this space? The next question is, what is a, your personal expertise in this field? And the last question is, why is CO2? The right company for Rwanda to partner with.
1: Um, so how did I get into this space? I spent my life in internal audit, corporate governance, regulation, compliance, uh, all the dull parts of, uh, of the companies that nobody wants to be in. Mm. And what I became aware of was that when I started looking at the carbon markets and carbon trading, that there were holes in the way that it was being done in the standards that it was being done exactly like we just talked the risk of you know greenwashing companies and countries um so what i did was i t- got together a group of like-minded friends and we looked at the market mainly as a a kind of over a drink uh oh. a, you know a cup of coffee let's mm-hmm. break from a day job and let's think about this and we we started looking into it and realized that fundamentally it could be changed and it wouldn't take lot to change it um what it needed was a group of people uh, with a vested interest or people who just wanted to do the right thing to actually look at it and go right where's the weakness let's do a risk assessment of the entire market and then let's create a new company that would be able to to do this correctly and take out a lot of the problems that the existing companies have Mm -hmm. so that was where it came from um and then um a group of uh, other friends that i was talking to um they said well that's exactly what we want to do uh. so um by fate we got put together um so and co2 capital was formed and then once we had the idea that the issue around the industry was governance it was traceability of these credits it was the standards were the standards good enough or could we write new standards we set about doing the traditional things rewriting standards uh, looking at governance trying to create audit trails and then we realized that there's a whole nother world of technology out there. Mm. So uh, we kind of pivoted into a technology company. Yeah. So having done the hard work or the traditional work, uh, we then thought, well, what is the technology out there? And that is what CO2 Capital became. High-tech technology um, trying to solve traditional problems in rural environments. And why are you the
0: right company for A country like ours.
1: Rwanda is very fortunate that they've never done any carbon trading here. There have been no credits produced. There's been none sold. It is what we call a greenfield site, which is very rare, which means that no one's got in there. No one's tried it. So what it allows us to do, because we are technology, because we are auditing to higher standards, because we're all about the governance of these credits, is to come in and create a whole new market, which will be the Rwanda market, which would have the best quality credits which would have the best governance that would be able to reinvest in the sustainability of the environment. And, you know, we fit very well with the government agencies, with the departments here, with the ministries, because looking at the Rwanda plans and what you want to do as a country and how you want to develop, it would fit in really well with uh, Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do at CO2. And we're just like-minded, I think.
0: You're obviously in the country. So have you had a chance to talk to Various uh, players.
1: Yeah, we've been going around the ministries. We've been going around the government departments and the key players. Mm. Um, we've been working over twelve months on this project here in Rwanda itself. Um, you know, we've got a team of people here. We've got a, a you know, full office. You know, we've officially set up, and we've been analysing the problems here, and we've been talking to people and understanding it. Mm. What we haven't done is we've not come into the country and said, "This is the solution; it's going to work for you," and just leave it at that. What yeah. we've done is tried to work with all of the ministries and, and mm. all of the stakeholders, really. Mm. Because they are vast. Um, even in a, a small country, you've still got a lot of stakeholders. Mm. So it's been meeting the NGOs who currently do tree planting and things like this mm. and are doing environmental projects and trying to understand the challenges for them mm. and the opportunities so that when we did develop our first project here, we're doing it from a position of knowledge, not mm. from a position of we know what we're doing. We're just going to, you're getting what we normally do. Mm. Mm. It's going to, you know, it's it's all about localization.
0: And have you, the conversations between you and whether it's government or NGO? How uh, positive have they been to hear your offering?
1: Um, I think, first of all, we've had to do an, uh, quite a lot of education because it is a, a quite a complex uh, structure is carbon trading and how you create the carbon and how you create the, the elements to trade. And, and where would you trade them on? What would you trade them as? Um, so we've had to do quite a lot of education about the market. Um, and the problems, we've been very honest and open about the problems with the market and mm. why we wouldn't want to do it one way. We would recommend another. Let's learn from what's gone on elsewhere. So once we've given that level of education, uh, people have been very interested. Um, it's something that is on the roadmap here, mm. uh, very firmly on the roadmap. Most of his agencies have got something around this in their roadmap. So the timing is right. So people are, are I think, open to somebody supporting them and they've been very open to
0: us coming mm. in and, and talking to them and advising them so have you tried this anywhere else on the continent
1: um yes so we've had some test cases down in uh, south africa mm. um, and some other countries but um not to the scale in africa mm. that we're hoping to do mm. with rwanda
0: it, it goes back to my initial question why not drc with its huge force resources or like you said south africa it's 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 a much bigger country, probably a lot more carbon uh, to trade. So as CO2 capital, we are not actually a traditional
1: brokerage house Mm. and we're not a traditional reseller. So in order to get verified by our standards so we can create the carbon for trading, we have to have social impact. So we have to have a positive social impact on the areas where we're taking the CO2 from. So it's not just about, for instance, planting a tree here or there. It's about actually working with the communities. And in order to work with the communities, you've got to be welcomed into a country. And that's where Rwanda came in. And we've, we've done tests, as we said, around Africa. And where did you go? What's best? We've looked at Ghana, Uganda, Nigeria. Zimbabwe, um, Lesotho and, uh, South Africa. And so why not them? It's because of the difficulties that you've got with multifaceted. Um, so in somewhere like South Africa, you've got a lot of competing people who want that land. So you've got the local indigenous people who want it to be, you know, used for farming. So they don't want trees because they want to actually farm it. Mm. Um, then what you've got is you've got big landowners who are quite happy to have a load of trees because it doesn't really cost a lot to look after them. And hey, I can produce carbon mm. and I can trade it on the carbon credits. Mm. And then you have other government departments who are trying to raise money who may want to use that land for mining. So when you go to an area that's got such competing, especially around South Africa, Nigeria, Ghana and the other places uh, that we've been to look at, these competing factions make it very, very difficult um, to operate And that's
0: why you chose Rwanda, because you're not dealing with that? We're dealing with it a lot
1: less. Yeah. So Rwanda is, I think, a lot more cautious, Mm. historically. Rwanda takes its time to look at at new things that go on and introduce them. And Mm. that's to the benefit of the people, it's to the benefit of the country. Yeah. So it's perfect for us, because Mm. it makes the chance of success, and that is not just producing these credits, but producing Mm. the highest quality credits, and using the Rwanda name as becoming a kind of a brand for the top credits in the industry. We've got the most
0: chance of doing it here. My last question. If there's one thing that you want our listeners to take away from this conversation what would it be? It's to be open and to ask questions, really. Start
1: Mm. to learn. When you see something new, when there's change, the listeners will naturally hear the bad stories about Mm. carbon trading Mm. and about the issues that's going on. What we're trying to do here with with Rwanda is make a positive impact Mm. and keep away from the negatives. So I would just ask people to be open-minded. And although they will hear negative things or may see negative things,
0: look for the positives as well. And maybe help us understand what are the positive stories are there any that you can talk there,
1: about? There are, yes, um, especially around local communities. So even going to the single farmer who has some land, a thousand trees, farming is very tough, as we all know. Um, you don't get a guaranteed crop at the end of it. You don't know how big your crop's going to be. You don't know what your crop price is going to be. You don't know what your fertilizer cost is going to be. So farming is a very difficult thing to be in. Mm. So what we've been able to do on the small-scale projects we've run so far is be able to give back to that community by saying to that farmer, we're going to sell the carbon credits from those thousand trees and what's going to happen is you're going to have a guaranteed income for the next 20 years. So you can now invest in your farm with the knowledge that no matter what happens, and you could have a monsoon or something terrible could go on, a plague of locusts, fortunately, you're still going to have some money at the end of the year. You know, this isn't about living year to year now. You can actually start to plan for the future. And, and on a micro scale, that makes such a difference to rural communities. Yeah. In what African country has this worked? Of all the projects that, that I've seen on a small scale, this works the best.
0: I mean, in with, what with the African local country, cooperative. Like? Was it whether so? so uh,
1: Zimbabwe, for instance, yeah. they've just done a, a sale of twenty percent of their carbon credits to mm. to the UAE. Yeah, um, and you know the smaller farmers there have really benefited. Okay, um, it's generally you know the smaller communities that have benefited the most. But the key there is making sure that the smaller communities get the money and that that money is actually then reinvested. So it's getting the money to the right people, which is the problem with with most um, carbon trading is that it'll go to a government or it'll go to a, a green fund or and it never reaches the people who actually need it. And the euros would be different? It is, yes. Um What we do is we work with all the stakeholders and we do a profit share. The way we do it is that when somebody buys a ton of carbon, if you're in that area and you're a profit share, you will immediately get your portion of that money um, because it's a digital wallet. Everything is now traded online. Mm. So you have a digital wallet where the money goes into and that's in your name or your company's name or your cooperative's name and that's there and then you just withdraw that money to a bank account or have...
0: However, you, you need to get money, money gram in a, in a country. And it would be traded in uh, USD? Would it be in euros? What exactly is the currency?
1: So the currency it's traded on is is whatever anybody wants to buy it in. Okay. So if you're a British company, you'd be buying it in pounds. If you're a US company, you're buying it in dollars. Um, that doesn't really matter because – when it comes out, it will come out as Rwanda Franks. Okay. So it will be converted.
0: Thank you so much for an eye-opening conversation about carbon trading.
1: Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it.
0: And uh, good luck. Ah, thank you very much. Before we leave, would you like to partner with The Long Form? Send an email to sales at newtimesrwanda.com and ask for our rates. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to The Long Form with Sunny Nayombia on your favorite podcast service. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon Music, as well as the New Times website. Until next week, goodbye.